Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Now it's time to take a sports break, a look at sports history on a daily basis. Hello, my friends of sports history. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your place for all things great in sports history. And welcome to another sports break as we talk about some of the greatest events in sports history that occurred or are associated with May 15th. And before we do, let's make sure you're aware of our email to get in touch with us. Send us some feedback. We're pigskindispatch at gmail.com. Easy to find out, easy to remember, and uh, easy to contact us as we talk and uh, respond to every email sent to us. And we'd love to hear your opinions and uh, comments and maybe some suggestions on ways to improve our website. We're here for you and uh, we want to do our best. So let's get into our stories for May 15th. We're going to start over on Pigskin Dispatch today because this is a big day, a big two-day session, May 14th and May 15th. Back in 1874, they're the anniversaries of the Harvard-McGill game. Now, if you remember those Harvard-McGill games, they had McGill from Montreal area in Canada bringing down their way of playing what was called football at that time, which was more of a rugby style. And you had Harvard, who was playing uh, their football, which was probably we would consider more of a soccer style at the time. Well, they had two games in Cambridge, uh, Mass uh, playing near Harvard, and uh, played these two games, one by Harvard's rules one day, the next day they played by McGill's rules. Now, the second day was a great day at Jarvis Field, and because the first day's play had been by Harvard's rules, and yesterday many from McGill were adopted. Now, three games of half an hour each were played, uh, each one being called at the expiration of each, and without either club having been able to force the ball over the opposing goal. Now, there was a large crowd and much enthusiasm, and Park H. Davis in his book from 1911 titled Football, the Intercollegiate Game, states that McGill University's captain in 1874 was a player by the name of David Roger, and that was this that he sent an invitation uh, for the game to Harvard and first suggested that it be played this in May of 1874 time period in Cambridge, Mass., under the Rugby All-America Code rules. The second game proposed to be played in Montreal under the Harvard rules, introducing each school's style of play to the fans of the host school. But it didn't work out that way. Uh, they played the two games on it, and May 15th was under McGill's rules, and Harvard won the first game 3 to nothing. while the second was a scoreless tie. And after a return match in Montreal that October, Harvard decided to adopt the McGill version for good. And in June 1875, Tufts defeated Harvard in the first football game between American teams. That fall, Harvard met Yale for the first time under the concessory rules that blended the two games, but leaned towards Harvard's version, which was actually McGill's. So some great history, the start of professional and uh, college and high school football, uh, American-style football, happened that weekend. That Because uh, there was a certain man that, by the name of Walter Camp that uh, may have been in attendance or at least got some good word what was going on there and uh, gave him some inspiration to change some rules around and uh, rest is history. 
Some great birthdays uh, from the football world. May 15, 1921 in Delphos, Ohio. University of Wyoming halfback from 1948 to 1950. Eddie Talboom arrived in this world and uh, he had a great uh, career there with the University of Wyoming. Um, he was nicknamed Boom Boom, and he ended up going into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame in year 2000 uh, for his great play. We have more on his bio on Pigskin Dispatch. In 1923, on his date, San Diego, California, George Brown of the U.S. Naval Academy in San Diego State. He played guard at both those from 1942 to 1943, and again in 1947. Uh, he, as you can tell, he was in the Great War and uh, interrupted his collegiate career. He served on the USS Indianapolis on a couple of, and on a couple of submarines during World War II. Uh, ended up playing such good ball that the College Football Hall of Fame proudly placed his display in honor of George Brown in their legendary museum in 1985. In a 1958 in Perry, Georgia, Florida State's 1977 to 1980 defensive tackle Ron Simmons claimed his date of birth. Now, he ended up being a force uh, in many ways and forcing many fumbles of opposing offenses. And you know, just a tremendous player. Uh, he, he finished ninth in the Heisman Trophy voting in 1979 and ended up getting his uh, record celebrated in the College Football Hall of Fame in his induction in 2008 and uh, played in a couple seasons in USFL before becoming a star in professional wrestling uh, in a duel called Doom. He was one of those people there. Uh, May 15, 1969, the legendary Emmett Smith was born in Pensacola, Florida, the uh, NFL's leading rusher currently, a legendary University of Florida running back from 1987 to 1989, born this day. And he arrived at Florida with a bang at playing as a, he was the National Player of the Year, scoring 109 touchdowns during his time at Pensacola, Florida High School. And uh, he says he was just a broken single game rushing mark an upset of Alabama early in his career of college. He gained 1,341 yards as a freshman and finished ninth in the Heisman voting. And a top 10 finish was only the second time a freshman had broken the top 10. Well, we know what he did in, in college. He ended up getting drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. And, after, and later, the College Football Hall of Fame put him into their museum in 2006. First round pick of the Cowboys in 1990, 17th overall selection. He played seven, or 15 seasons as a back in the league and came out as the all-time rushing champion. 18,355 yards, 11 straight 1,000-yard seasons, three Super Bowl titles, and has also gone into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2010. And Desmond Howard was born in 1970 in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, University of Michigan's wide receiver and kick returner from 1989 to 1991. Uh, had a tremendous collegiate career and went into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2010. Was a fourth overall selection in the 1992 NFL Draft by the Washington Redskins. Spent 11 seasons as a professional in the NFL and claimed the Super Bowl 31 Most Valuable Player Award when he led the Green Bay Packers over the New England Patriots after setting Super Bowl records for returns with 90 and total return yards 244 in that game he also set the super bowl record for the longest kick return of 99 yards and uh, quite a day for him getting that mvp as well and then 1970 that same day uh, texarkana arkansas the 1988-1990-94 wide receiver from missouri southern rod smith was born now rod smith uh, had a great uh, college career he had uh, 
254 yards in a game, which was a collegiate career. Uh, four touchdowns in one game. Average yards per catch was 24 yards per catch. And career receiving yards of 3,122 and 35 touchdowns in his college career. Also the only player in Missouri Southern State history to have his number retired. So very interesting. National Football Foundation placed Rod Smith into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2009. And he had a great pro career with the Denver Broncos as he had franchise records for career receptions with 849. Receiving yards 11,389 and touchdown receptions 68. Led the Broncos to winning two Super Bowls during his tenure with the club. And here's a big one. 1975, May 15th, Ray Lewis, a standout linebacker from the University of the Miami Hurricanes program, was born. He was selected in the 1996 NFL Draft by the Ravens as the 26th overall pick. And Ray was a great performer with the Baltimore Ravens during his 17-year NFL career. And uh, he ended up going to the Super Bowl and winning it, a Super Bowl 35 MVP, as well as a Defensive Player of the Year award in both 2000 and 2003. Just the second player in history to earn both a Super Bowl MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. A remarkable player. Uh, Ray led Baltimore in tackles in 14 different seasons as he became the first player in history to reach the marks of both 40 career sacks and at least 30 interceptions. Uh, made it to 12 Pro Bowls and earned the status of NFL All-Pro eight different times. Ray Lewis in 2018 was enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. And boy, that is a lot of great football news. And football is not the only sport that has great happenings on May 15th. We go to our Jersey Dispatch site. And May 15th, 1912, Detroit Tigers star slugger Ty Cobb lets an obnoxious fan get to him. And the player leaps up into the stands and the railing and assaults the heckler at a New York Highlander game. Cobb was suspended for his actions by the American League commissioner. And more to come on that in following days as you'll hear his plight. In 1918 on this date, big train Walter Johnson pitcher from the Washington Senators baffles opposition for 18 innings in a 1-0 Senator victory. Uh, Lefty Williams was on the other mound for the Chicago White Sox and he also pitched a brilliant performance only to fall victim to Washington Walter Johnson in that extra inning affair. In 1938, on the 15th of May, baseball legend Buck O'Neill made his debut playing for the Kansas City Monarchs of the Negro League Baseball at Rupert Stadium in Kansas City. Now, we have some more great baseball to talk about, and uh, we have some great sites to, to go into for some inspiration. This day in baseball.com has some spectacular things that they uh, like uh, have on their website each and every day. We have links to it on, on jerseydispatch.com. And one of those that happened in 1901, it was the first shutout in American League history, uh, is recorded by Waddy Lee of the Washington Senators as he blanks the Boston Americans by a score of four to nothing. And also, uh, we have another great uh, event that happened when, in 1946, Mel Harder and Steve Gromick fired back-to-back shutouts over the Athletics as Cleveland Indians wins two games in a doubleheader, 3-0 and 5-0 on a day. Dozens more where that came from. This day in baseball.com. Follow the links on jerseydispatch.com. Now, we also like to go to 80sbaseball.com. And our friend Jay Daniel has uh, some great events and birthdays he celebrates there. And one he has for today is May 15th, 1984, the Major League debut of pitcher Roger Clemens in freezing temperatures 
with the Boston Red Sox. And they also have, uh, Jay talks about uh, some great bits for May 15th on John Smoltz, George Brett, Bill North, Rick Waits, Eric King, Len Parker, Chris Walsh, and many more. 80sbaseball.com and Jay Daniel. Now, we love to go to the hockey rinks. There's a lot of hockey going on. And there is some great stuff from the hockeywriters.com for May 15th. And they have uh, some of the most lopsided trade in NHL history, a franchise-altering draft pick, and some significant expansion franchises. Uh, they talk you know, about those. There's all stories on Phil Esposito, Ken Hodge, Fred Stanfield, Pitt Martin, Jack Norris, Giles Murat, Bobby Clark, Felix Poffin, and many more. Hockeywriters.com is the name of the site. And we also have the Hooked on Hockey magazine. And, boy, they have some interesting things as well on that site. It's one of the newer ones that uh, we have located and talked about. And they talk about May 15, 1990, the Edmonton Oilers and the Boston Bruins battled in the longest game on finals history, a triple overtime game that lasted 125 minutes and 13 seconds. Edmonton's Peter Kilma was the hero as he sealed his team's 3-2 victory in the first game of the finals, a series that would be won by the Oilers, and it was actually only the ninth longest game in NHL history at the time. So, tremendous. By that, hookedonhockey.com. And we also like to go to uh, this, this day in hockeyhistory.com, and they have some great events as well. And one of those is, of course, talk about Wayne Gretzky. Now, he, he could, uh, you know, how could he become more popular? Well, winning that Stanley Cup championship, that's one way to do it. And he won a bunch of those with the Edmonton Oilers. And they have a great feature for this May 15th on this day in hockey history. We have links on jerseydispatch.com on the post. So make sure you check that out. So that is pretty much our great sports history for the day. We're glad you could join us. There's so much more to find on jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. We hope you do, and we hope you join us each and every time we have a new podcast drop. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast provider or get our newsletter. Go to the show notes of this podcast or at the top of pigskindispatch.com or jerseydispatch.com. Totally free. Cancel anytime. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Till next time, everybody. Have a great sports history day. Sorry, but my pitching coach just called timeout and he's coming out to the mound. I think I'm going to get yanked for a reliever. We'll see you back tomorrow for some more great sports history on Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. 
Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.